That's right, y'all. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. Let's go. This podcast equips you with the real estate and wealth strategies you can use to develop and enhance your skills, experience, and profits in real estate while also being healthy on the inside and the outside. You ready? We are showcasing some of the world's greatest male and female real estate developers and entrepreneurs. Now it's time to develop. Here's your host, real estate developing queen, Deontay Chantel. Let's go. My name is A. Donahue Baker. I'm a real estate developer, owner of over 500 units. At least 50 of those are right here in Newark, New Jersey. I got my start pretty much as purchasing two families, four families, six families. I got my, the first one I did was a duplex. I lived in one side, rented out the other, and every single year I tried to double the number of units that I had. First unit was a duplex, like I said. Then it got to be a fourplex. Then I, then I tried to find an eight unit, couldn't find it. Found a six unit. Then from a six unit, I went to a 10 unit and doubled every single year. And I was able to do that because I took advantage of the opportunities right here in this city. Now, one of the things that we'll talk about later on is how you can find properties below market value. That is so key to scaling and increasing the velocity of your money. Now, I want to introduce one of the premier real estate developers and also real estate builders that this city, in my opinion, has known. I want to introduce Marjorie. Marjorie, come, come on up here. Join, join the stage. Give her a round of applause. My first question, Marjorie, is how did you get started in real estate? Um, and, and as a woman, what are some of the, the challenges that you had to overcome to get into the business? Well, let's just be clear. I'm still overcoming. <laughs> a black woman in this business, mm -hmm. at my level, mm -hmm. the racism is still on and popping. Okay, because it becomes a money game at my level. 100% money. They don't care about community. They don't care about any of that. It's a, the money game. Um, I actually started in 19, dating myself, 87, okay? And this is when affirmative action was first getting started. Um, and two young men from Newark said, you know, we heard a lot about you because I was working for Johnson & Johnson at the time. Uh, they said, listen, why don't you come work with us? I knew nothing about construction. Um, our first project was the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, first $50,000 project. And again, I did not know anything. But I was good at operations, business, and finance. Let me say that again. I was good at operation, business, and finance. 90% of failure becomes because most people can't read the numbers. Can't read the numbers. And if you can't read the numbers, you might get a onesie, twosie, flipping a house here and there but you'll start losing because you've got to know what that gross profit is and that net net at the end of the day. Is it even worth doing the project and how do you do that cost analysis? So started there, did Performing Arts Center, finished $4 million there without construction. Moved on to another project in Newark. It was valued at probably $2 million, a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Uh, they promised to mentor me. This is where the racism came in on me. Uh, I was the weakest link on the team. They beat me for a million dollars. Remember, did I say weakest link? 
Make sure you know your game and make sure you have people that you trust around you because that, they always can read who's the weakest, especially as you start elevating your game. Uh, lost a million dollars, had to go back to the bank. Uh, but what I did do was, because I understood finance, was negotiate paying the principal on the back end and just pay the interest every month. Got to know finance. I don't care what you do. You can use this word develop all day from sunup to sundown. If you don't know numbers, get out of this game. Because it's a long game. This Gems. is a long game. This is not a short game. It can be very, very rewarding, but you got to know the numbers. And I moved on from there, started buying property in Newark. We, we didn't have invest Newark or properties from the city. Uh, I just, during Sharp James' time, he was just giving away land for $4 a square foot. $4. So I said, I bought two places over in South Ward. I said, okay, fine. Um, then I bought two in the West Ward, and then I bought two in the East Ward. That's how I started. But what I did was flip from one to the next to the next. I learned early, just from the guys, to start with a four family. I never started with one family. Stay away from one families. If you want to do development, don't get into it. I, I, would you agree? You, know, you don't do that one um, family. Well, don't do the one family, because you can't make the yeah, return on you can't investment. Make the return. Yeah. But let, let me stop you right there, because I wanted to, number one, it's important that we highlight the gems. So you said some really important things. Okay. I just want to underscore it. Your numbers are everything, right? So when you're putting your package together, and this is really, it's important for everyone, but it's really important for those developers that are looking to get into the game because your numbers will be scrutinized. So what you need to do, if you don't know what a pro forma is, very important, <sighs> every project needs to have one, right? So I just want to make, just drop these gems so that you don't miss it when Marjorie's telling her story, right? So we want to get, I want to get into the racism a little bit because um, it's part of the game, right? Yes. It's, mm -hmm. it's um, like we live in a, a predominantly minority community, right? Yes. And most of the development that you see are not done by minorities. That's exactly right. You know, so um, it's not representative of, of where we're from. So, but I'm not going to tackle the racism right now. What I really want to tackle is uh, just backtrack a little bit the mentality, the mindset that you had working on your first project. You said you did not have the experience. What, what made you think, well, I can do this? What made you think that, you know, I can, I can be successful in this business? Let me just say this. The golden gift for me, spiritually and emotionally, is being trained in corporate America. That's where I really learned how to watch how the player players play. I worked for 3M. I worked for Johnson & Johnson, and I worked for United Airlines. I helped United Airlines open up Hong Kong and Tokyo. So I'm sitting in first class with the players. Ralph Lauren was one of my charges. So I'd have to babysit him on a United 767 flight. He says, oh, you're a bright colored girl. Thank you, Mr. Lauren. Not racist. Remember, now, sometimes the words that were used wasn't out of racism. It was out of un not understanding. And he would always say, he says, you're never going to make money working for corporate America. You know, think about being an entrepreneur. So that's how I started. So when I came out and I looked around and these two gentlemen from Newark wanted to start a construction company, I didn't know much about entrepreneurship. So I said, okay, let me go in. Let me see what it's about. 
United Airlines wanted to give me a promotion because now here's a little bit of racism. Don King, you know that cons- promotional consideration by? They didn't want him to have it. He, what, he didn't look like their, you know. Their prototype. So I had to show them that people like this gentleman reads the Wall Street Journal in the morning, and then they read the Daily News at night. And they said, oh, <laughs> those same people? Yeah, they do. They like boxing. They like football. They like this sport. Same men. And that's how he got his promotional consideration. All right, fast forward. So I did not know the numbers going in, developing and construction. And that was my big failure. I was relying on other people to help me with the numbers. I have more people come to me, (coughs) excuse me, not knowing the numbers, and I help them do their performance. Because you got to know that square foot price and what does that mean so you can back into it. So when your guys walk up to you and tell you, hey, you know, we could do this job for $80,000 and it's really at one twenty. And let me tell you something. You will get hit by that wall today. If it's not today, it'll be tomorrow, but eventually it'll catch up with you. So I kept doing that. And then when I lost a million dollars, I decided to go back uh, to NGIT and get my MBA and to work on uh, my civil engineer degree. Because you gotta know what you don't know, that you don't know, that you don't know, will take that word development, will die and go away. You'll be a flipper, you won't be a developer, because we'll get to that conversation in a minute. What does development really mean? Because it's layers of development. We have 47 cranes right now in the air in the city of Newark, 47. Just had a meeting with the mayor and his team and it's only 20% that's being done by minority, and it goes lower to like 6 or 7% that has any involvement on these major projects going around the city, that they have invested dollars. Write this word down, PPP, public-private partnership. Learn all about that. 90% of these projects you see going out, these developers are coming in with something called family funds. Read up on family funds. What does that mean? Investors are coming in heavy and hard into these urban areas. They're blowing it out the park. Then you have the developers that look like me who are going in and they're buying and flipping houses. So that's still tearing down the fabric of the community because if you flip it, now the person can only go in and rent. How do we get them to build, rent, and own, and stay? So Mm. I'll stop there. Yeah, no, gems on gems. So I'll try to recap real quick. Um, one of the things that she, she um, highlighted was the PPP, right? Public-private partnership. That is how you can get into this business. That is how you scale into this business. It's using the money of the municipality. How do you access that money? Well, very simply, what you need to do is be very active in local politics or the area in which you're focusing on developing, you have to be very active in local politics. How do I do it? Well, one of the things that I do is I wait for a political election to take place and I contribute to the campaigns, but I just don't write a check. What I do is I try to understand who's the campaign manager, who's the people behind the scene, and then I make a contribution. But I give give my contribution in exchange for access, 
right? A cell phone number, someone that I can call on and keep a, a, a one-on-one conversation with in case I should need a favor, I can go directly to the mayor or, or the deputy mayor or, or whoever, right? But it's done like this all over the country. And politics is very, very important. That's why we need to be very involved in our local communities. You also touched on, you also touched on, it was, it was a number of things. It got back to the, to the, to the pro forma again. And I, and I wanted to ask you a question on uh, your team, right? Because most developers come into this game, it's usually a one-man show. Talk to me about the team you put together and how did you put that team together with particular attention on the criteria of the people that you select to be on your team? So in the beginning, I was a one-person show. I thought, you know, I could just smile and be nice and do a good job, and that'd be fine. When I went back and started working on my civil, uh, I started meeting some of the, most of your engineers and architects on these projects are right here at NGIT. Put that down. Go to some of those functions. Your engineers and architects are on 90% of the projects you see happening here in Newark. Okay? Because you got to know who they are, just speaking to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. So once I learned that I wanted to, I was looking to get into the 20 and $30 million category, I knew I had to have a project exec, must be civil, I knew I had to have a COO or a comptroller that had major construction experience. So that was my number two person. My number three person had to have experience on commercial projects. Because I don't, I don't do a lot of residential unless it's anywhere from six families and above. So that's three key people that I had to have right away. Then I had to have an office executive who made sure that the billing performers were done because your project exec and your senior project manager are going to put the numbers together. They're going to talk to the subs. They're going to bring everything in. So we know how we came up with our $540 a square foot to build out something. You've got to have those four people if you're going to go to the next level. So She just gave you some gems, by the way. I, I, hope, I hope everyone is writing because <laughs> if you're in this business and you don't know that, then you're going to be in for... A long, a long or, or journey. Or crying at night trying to figure out how, should I have spam with yeah. uh, water or spam with uh, more water? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Sorry. So those were my four key. Now here's, here's what you got to pay attention to. If you have those four people, what do you think the revenue is to pay for them every week? Since you're developers, I just wanted you, I want somebody to tell me what you think that's costing me. My payroll. What'd you say? Next. 62 grand a week. That's what I'm being paid from anybody. Because they've got to be on the team because they're the machine that's bidding, rolling it out, doing the performers, sitting down, going to the meetings, doing the business development. Uh, I do a lot like you. I do a lot of campaigns. I'm the first African-American woman here at NJIT to head up as chair of the board. First. I did that strategically and intentionally because all the developers and all the engineers are sitting around the table. That's, that's who's sitting over there. TNM, Shinovi, all of them sitting at the, on my board every day. 
So remember, there is a beginning game of development, there's an intermediate game of development, and then there's what you see like across the street. Now, I'll give you this project right across the street. It's in major delays. That means they went from a seven to three hour day to now working around the clock. Somebody's payroll is getting blown up. And you got to be ready to pull that money forward quickly because that school, that building across the street, which is our new dormitory, has to be open. Well, first of all, they got to get to substantial completion. Everybody knows what that is? If you don't, raise your hand. You do or you don't? Okay. So if you're doing a development project, and you can chime in on this, People can't go in the building until you get something called from the city and inspectors called substantial completion. That means your fire suppression, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, everything is tight. Then there's a certificate of occupancy that comes after that. This has to be open in two weeks. They are working around the clock. Somebody's payroll went from $50,000 a week to maybe a hundred and what do you think? Well, overtime, right? Like pretty much you're doubling. And it's all union uh, yeah. across the street. Yeah, so. And we got to talk about that if you want to be developers in the state of New Jersey today, mm-hmm. how the governor has changed the laws and said you need to be with an apprenticeship program if you're going to go for your public works license. Do you know what that is? Well, you're developers. Come on out. Write it down. Public works license. What certification? Certification, public works certification. You can't work on any development project here in the city of Newark without it, or in the state. Write that down. These are words and language and understanding and definitions you must have. So when you go out there and you say, yes, I want to play this game, then here's the last piece. Partner up, folks. We are the worst partner up with each other that I've ever seen in my life. 100%. What? 100%. Why not share the expense, but you gotta have what to get that done right? No, attorneys, get good construction attorneys. You can't get your brother-in-law that just graduated from law school to pull that that deal together. No, my attorney is charging me $600 an hour. He must be good, they must be good, she must be good. Got to have the attorney. Who else you got to have? Top accountant. Not just an accountant, but a real estate construction accountant because they help put the, the deals together. So if you're going to do something like a joint venture, you and I decide to go into business together, it's called a joint venture. Why can't we work together? There should be no one-offs in this room. What a beautiful array of people <laughs> to see today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And You should be networking with each other, not just hearing from us. What do you do? And listen, test that they're bringing their A-game to the table. I have more people come to me. I'm ready. I have to kick them out in two days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely can vouch for that. Got to go. 100%. Because you ain't bringing nothing to the table. You just want to suck off of me. Make sure you test that Mm A-game. Okay? 100%. 100%. So let me just recap the gems. Um, One of the things that... um, that you touched on. Well, I think the most important thing you touched on, I'm going to underline that. And just in case um, we don't realize, there's so much resources in this room right here today, right? So much resources that if we all collectively could just work together, 
we could just do incredible things, right? I'm the CEO of a fintech bank. What I do is help people get funding, simply. We're taking, um, there's a brother right here in Newark, recently uh, incarcerated. You're going to meet him later. He's actually at the, um, the mayor's event right now. Um, came out of jail, two years looking for work. Couldn't find it. Came to us and was like, look, I have a project. Nobody's giving me a shot. Can't get funding from the bank. I am basically investing in his talent because he is so, he's so trustworthy and stick to it. He has incredible passion. I'm investing in his talent. I'm putting over a million dollars in his talent. And he's going from a, a couple years out of jail to a million dollar real estate development project right here in Newark, building 11 unit apartment complex, right? 100% funded by our, our organization. But this is the power of networking. This is the power of exchanging contacts with people and really keeping in touch. So that was a gem that you just said, there's strength in numbers, right? I'm always looking for talent because if you invest in talent, it pays you 10 times. So I want to talk about, uh, I had a video actually, I have a YouTube channel. Anybody that's looking for gems on real estate development, you can follow me at A Donahue Baker on YouTube. But I have a video coming out. It's called The Seven Deadly Fatal Mistakes of a Millionaire Real Estate Developer. And what that means, what, what I'm doing is actually basically journaling some key mistakes that will derail you, kill you, knock you out of this business, and tell other people real estate doesn't work, right? Seven deadly mistakes. I want to pose that question to Marjorie. Marjorie, give me three deadly mistakes. And I'll, I'll leave with the first one. The, the one that... Uh, that, that uh, most people need to realize is never pay too much for a property, right? Never pay too much for a deal, right? Another one that I have is you always need to have a competitive advantage in every single transaction. If you don't have a competitive advantage, your chances of losing money exponentially increase. So just a couple, I wanted to get yours. Underfunded, not prepared for delays, And you certainly don't know the numbers. So I'm going back to that. So what he just shared, Mr. A here, Mr. Baker, that probably that million dollar funding that he did for this young man, he might have a piece of the equity of that business. And Definitely tell, do. But he Listen. left that out. <laughs> Stop the music. <laughs> you see all the stuff you learned? But but so but so does he. But so does he, and he didn't put up anybody. Just giving you, because you got to understand, if you go and speak to him for money, he's going to say, "Okay, I need to be the first lien holder on your property, because I'm going to get paid one way or the other." That's how these guys think. That's a fatal mistake. Oh, I thought he liked me. It has nothing to do with he likes you. He's an investor. And everybody walks up, and they don't understand what it means when they say, hey, I've got to put a lien on it. Hey, you don't have any financial records. Here's the other thing. People want to go into development, and they don't have any financials. So what are you going to bring to FinTech? Forget about the bank, because he's more on the hard money lending side, which he left that word out. Do you understand if you go to a hard money lender, 
He says fintech. I call it hard money lender. I'm just calling it what it is. I'm from Newark. What can I say? I'm from it's up it's not hard money. <laughs> no, I mean, not exactly, but you know what I mean. But if you go that route, what does that percentage do differently? That's another fleet of mistake. So if you go from 5 or 6% to 11 or 12%, you got to know how long you want to hold it at that 12 before you took that construction loan and turned it into financing into the property. So those are my few. That I no, can give. I good. Have 25 all, more, all good gems. Okay. All, all good gems. Um, so we're at the stage right now where um, you guys went through mindset. We basically are at the point where we could do our, our, our deals. How do we get deals, or how do you find your deals for projects that that you're working on, Marjorie? So with blessing now, people find me. Mm. Okay, because I've grown to such a level where. People need me to come, mm -hmm. back them up either on the construction side, the finance side, or the development side. I had a developer called yesterday uh, from New York City. He doesn't know anything, what he wants to do in North. March, how much will you charge? That's a good day to kind of help him walk through and navigate the ropes of Newark. I said, uh, if, you, if you're going to keep going, I will say this. My success has said I've been consistent, authentic, and I stay on time and under budget. I've only had two failed projects in 30 years because my integrity was very important. Once you start building up that emotional intelligence, uh, they can trust you. The, the deals will start finding you. So I just say that. Yeah, great answer. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is I wanted to just address the first time real estate developer that thinks you, you can just go it on your own, right? That's a fallacy. Um, unless you have a lot of money and willing to burn a lot of money, you're going to make some significant mistakes. So um, I would just like to just let you know, in case you didn't, when you go to a financial institution um, such as, such as uh, you know, my FinTech bank, you know, one thing that is required is you need experience you need either a sponsor or you need experience. That's part of, it's not just, I have great credit and I'm, I'm credit worthy. Cause that's important too. Your credit is your credibility. So you need to have good credit, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but it's not just credit and it's not just, I have money. You also need that experience. That's an equal criteria to have when you're, when you're trying to raise or get financing through the bank. As far as fundraising, I want to touch on that. If you have any advice on fundraising outside of just getting bank finance, and let me, let me break that down in case someone doesn't know. Typically on a development project, um, you have about 70 to 80% of the project is probably coming through uh, financing of some sort, right? Um, and then you're expected to make up the gap, the difference in, in equity of about 20 and 30%. Right. And the problem and the reason why we're not seeing a lot more minority developers is because in our circle, in our sphere of influence, we don't have a lot of people. We could say, you know what, I need three or four million to make up this equity portion. Right. We, it's just not a, in our community. We just don't have that. It's there. The money is there. But we, we need to learn how to tap into that. And we, we probably could talk about that later. But in terms of you know, how you structure your deals and how you raise capital. Give us some gems on, on, on people that, are, that have projects and they're looking to raise money for their projects. How, how do you do it? 
anyway. Old, yesterday, in the future. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to make this announcement here. I finally did my first private equity deal. Okay. That, that's big. Give a round of applause. Round of applause. Yeah. That's big. So that's why I asked him, do we talk about yesterday or we talk about now? So what but, a private... But tell us about the size of that deal. So right. we the can... size of the deal is uh, $400 million. Big deal. And I'm yeah. one of the <laughs> private equity partners. Okay. Now, I was scared to do this at first because, you know, when you step up to being a VC or a Vintech investor or a private equity, uh, it's, it's, I mean, we're talking about something called family funds. I gave you that before. Family funds means that the people that are building in Newark are going to private equity people like me to get their money. They're not using their money. They're using other people's money. Okay, so when you look at fundraising from, for, from today, you want to look at fundraising from... First, get your good line of credit. Banks do not like to lend for construction projects. It's really tough today. It's getting tougher. And this inflation is going to really, I think, push that make envelope it even back more even, different. make it yeah. more difficult. They're changing the rules. Like before, you know, they wanted you to have like 75, 80% um, using the, the, the income. Ratio, yeah. right. mm -hmm. They're even lowering that right now. So it's, it's getting more difficult. The landscape is changing because of inflation. So that's why the partnerships are key. Okay, because you might be able to share that. So before you can do anything, you have to be credit worthy, which you've already talked about. Mm -hmm. Try to get your first line of credit. I don't care if it's 50000 pay it back on time, whatever you have to do, because you have to start somewhere. It's very hard to go to a fintech bank if you don't have all of the criteria, because they have their list. This young man probably had a construction background before or whatever he did in order to come to you. Am I correct? No, he didn't, but I, I, was, I sponsored. So did, basically, he's leveraging, yeah, he's he's leveraging, leveraging okay. my resume. Yeah. So that's not what we would do on a normal. You'd have to be an exceptional blow us out of the park for me to sponsor you. So there's line of credit. I don't like, don't touch anything with the GoFundMe pages. Don't touch any of that because that, the banks don't acknowledge it, any of that. But get that first. And I don't care if they offer you 25000 just to test you. Start there. Two, if you're going to buy and flip, understand what you're going to do with that profit. Because now you can self start self-funding yourself. I always say, don't run out and try to do five houses when you just got to get strong at the first one, then the second one, then the third one. Because that's revenue coming in that you can now move over into your own cash flow category. That's another fundraiser, self-funding. If you're going to be a developer, you want to hire the best subs possible. So the money's not always coming out of your pocket. Now, never heard a sub. But you want to make sure that that sub is worthy to carry your project from the beginning to the end. So those are a couple of my things. I think the line of credit. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, good stuff. Yeah. And uh, sponsorship, yes, they're available, but you've got to network hard to get them to pay that kind of attention. And remember, the recession is coming up now. So you're going to have fur uh, fewer probably people who will have the credit to buy houses right now if you're going to stay in that market. So start paying attention to the trends. 
And there is a wonderful online course if you don't want to do NYU on real estate, which I think has phenomenal real estate development classes. Uh, it's Corsia. C-O-U-R-S-E-S-A? Yeah, yeah. That's Corsia? It. They're, yeah, they're, they're phenomenal stuff. You can get a lot of free stuff online, too, it, by it's the way. Right. Yeah. So you've, you've got to have that intelligence, that emotional intelligence, financial intelligence, and trend intelligence. And once a day, you should look at CNBC to see how the tractor-trailer companies are doing. If start, their numbers are starting to drop, construction's getting ready to start to drop. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Okay? So these big tractor-trailer companies are the trends because people have to rent front loaders, backhoes, excavators, et cetera. Awesome, awesome. I'm just going to recap the gems real quick. Um, Deontay? Could you please let me know how we're doing on time? I'm looking to you, so please give me some direction of it. How much time? Yep, I want to have a Q&A afterwards. All right, cool. So um, I just want to underscore a couple things that she said. Um, one, one of the things she said is, is that you have to figure out a way to leverage not only building that line of credit, but leverage other people's money. Um, how many people in here know that Elon Musk is building, developing a whole city, the richest man, one of the richest men in the world, developing a whole city in Africa. How, how many people knew that? Right? So the, the thing is, the richest man in the world is building a whole eco-friendly city that's going to be run on green energy, that's going to have passive housing, that's going to basically provide free universal health care, that's going to b- b- provide free education all the way up to the university level. Um, he's not using any of his own money. Jim, understand the gym. The richest man in the world is not using any of his own money to build the biggest project that he could imagine to build on the face of the earth, right? It's not in Mars, he's doing it right here, right? So I just wanted to underscore that real quick. We're gonna open it up right now for Q&A. If you have a question, um, I'm gonna go around with the mic actually. If you have a question for Marge, re- just uh, raise your hand, I'll come to you and, and you can ask your question. Yeah, she. I was basically just asking about the practicality of actually growing your team. Um, you know, just thinking that it is one of the most critical, but probably also one of the most difficult things to do if you don't really have that cash flow. You know, it's like a chicken and egg thing, which comes first, because growing your team will get you that cash flow, but how do you get that without, you know, being able to pay a team? So I was just asking about the practicality of how you actually scale. I would start with a senior project manager who can estimate. That's very good in what he do. Also, there are people who are becoming more fractional now. So they don't want to work a 40-hour week. So you might want to find fractional project execs, people who have retired, who want to get into the game a little bit. But the senior project manager who can estimate and work both keys, because he's going to be, depending on the size of what you're going after, about 150000 a year, because you need the best estimator that you can find. So I would start with them if, as you start to st- do your team. And then look for fractional uh, controller, fractional COO. You don't need a COO until you probably hit 10 million. But a comptroller, you need somebody that's going to manage the cash flow monthly. So you definitely need the comptroller. And there are fractional comptrollers out there. And, and I would just add to that really quick. Um, you know, for me, 
I had to be super creative, right? So I didn't have a lot of the upfront money when I was initially starting. So what I did do was trade, right? Say, look, if you could work on this project, I'll give you some equity, you know? And some people, a lot of people are willing to do that because all the projects that I, that I are, are building, they all have a cash flow element that goes on until the end of time, right? Because I'm, I don't, I'm like, I don't really sell. I basically, like, my philosophy is always wealth building. So I build projects, they cash flow, and then there's that stream of income that you get for the rest of your life, you know, so. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? All right, so, okay, and then I, I will say this too. If you do have VIP, and this is up to um, Mrs. Perry, she may be able to answer some questions for you after, if that's up to her. Um, I'm going to take one more question because we're behind, we're a little behind schedule. Um, so I am going to go to um, Jasmine really quick because you're close. Hi, Thanks. Hello. Thank you so much for participating today. We really appreciate it. The question that I had was the two projects that you said were unsuccessful in your 30 years. What were the greatest lessons you learned and what were the fatal factors that led to their demise? Uh, The first one, um, they asked me to do underpinning. I won't mention a project because it's right up the street. I got caught up emotionally because it was a black church and I thought I was doing something for the community. Um... And I let them help me do my numbers. Fatal mistake one, fatal mistake two, fatal mistake three. Do not get emotionally attached. And I was emotionally attached because it was going to be one of the first charter schools here in Newark. I was so thrilled and excited that they picked me. My therapist said, stop letting people pick you. You pick them. (laughs) Get over it. Uh, So those were my three hard, hard lessons. Uh, takeaway. So I'm not emotionally attached to any of my projects today. The second failure is that I saw it going sideways and I didn't yell loud enough before it was starting to catch me at the end. The difference was from the first one to this one is that I know what to do to get myself somewhat out of it so that it won't be a full failure, but it's a disappointment. So let's take Failure out of the second one, and it's a deep, deep uh, disappointment. Thank you so much. Great question. Okay, so this concludes our amazing keynote presentation with Mrs. Margie Perry. Oh, well, we, we speak, wait, hold up. Miss, well, we speak him into existence, right? He coming, he coming. I'm waiting on mine too, but you know. Um, Anyway, and also with the lovely um, A. Donahue Baker, thank you so much. It was an amazing segment. Thank you for listening to the Journey to Developer podcast with Deontay Chantel and her special guest. Listen, we want you to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform and give us a five star review. That will be incredible. And we also have a visual experience over on YouTube. Just YouTube Journey to Develop her podcast to follow Deontay on Instagram. Just hit up Deontay Chantel. That's D-I-O-N-T-E-C-H-A-N-T-E. And also on IG at Journey to Develop Her. That's Journey. 
to develop her. You can hit all the links in her bio with that. Stay locked in, keep developing, and we'll see you here next time.